Artistic Whispers Productions presents... Down from 10, a country house mystery written and performed by J. Daniel Sawyer. Author contact information at www.jdsawyer.net. Featuring the vocal talents of... Philippa Ballantyne. T. Morris. Kitty Nakian. Nathan Lowell. Miss Calendar. Nobilis Reed. Christiana Ellis. Chris Lester. With original music by Danny Shade. This podcast contains adult language, sexual situations, and bizarre humor. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, this is Helen E.H. Madden of the Heat Flash Erotica Podcast. You're listening to episode 12 of Down From 10, and this is the story so far. In the buried house in the mountains of California, the artists sleep. But it seems when they sleep, Something in the house comes alive. It tortures them in their sleep. It prowls the halls. It walks in the darkness. Chapter 11 E-7 Morning (sighs) The pale blue light from the living room lit Jeremiah like a corpse in a morgue. Sweat beaded on his skin like wax as he bench-pressed half again his own body weight. The world seemed to warp around him like he was a black hole. If Jeremiah kept up this kind of pace, he'd work himself to death. Maybe he already had, and this was his cadaver that lay on the weight bench. Maybe he was teaching a fitness class for the other residents of the mortician's freezer. Amos didn't have much of a sense of space. It seemed that whatever he focused on was the only thing in the universe. His gaze latched onto the door into the great room, and he seemed almost to fall towards it. The ground glided beneath him like ice as he negotiated the conversation pit and made his way into the entryway. As he moved, he heard melodies playing over each other, one he almost recognized like a lullaby. It made his crotch itch and throb uncomfortably like a tension knot. The door to the outside was open, and the snow glowed a pale green. The light cut around a woman's silhouette, her hair wafting softly, almost as if in a breeze. Even as he drew near, he couldn't quite see her face, but somehow he knew who she was. Suddenly heavy, he stood on the hardwood floor, his toes freezing to the ground beneath him. Somewhere, just on the edge of his hearing, he heard someone whispering, We will burn the world and then we will all count down from ten. He didn't breathe. He couldn't. He could hear her breathing. Amy? He called her name tentatively, afraid that she'd answer terrified that she wouldn't. She answered him in lullaby, humming the child's melody in a voice stolen from his most precious, infected memories. Amy, is that you? Her body stiffened. He could see her now, just a little bit in the sallow light. I I wanted to wait. They tried to keep me. He stepped towards her, but didn't approach close enough to touch her. I know, sweetie. I, I know. I, I, I know. You I know. left me alone. You 
How could he answer her? Since when did children understand that their elders knew less than they did? He took one more step so that he was almost behind her. I couldn't get there. I tried. You, I tried. You didn't tell me it would be so dark. Her whisper came to him like an echo from the furthest reaches of hell. So cold. So cold. I didn't know. I couldn't know. How could I know? It's always dark. Pushing in. Pushing down. Always suffocating. Never stopping. Why didn't you... Tell me. He put his hand on her shoulder. I can't. Amos bit the words off as she turned around to face him. It was her face, bright and bold as a prosecutor's pointing finger, young as a fresh wound. But it wasn't the face full of life and joy from his bedside table. It was cold. The eyes were hollow death and they burned through him. They shamed him. The rest of her was wrapped in shadow for only a moment before it blew off her like a fragile mist, and he finally saw what had happened. Small abrasions pockmarked her face. Her chest and pelvis caved in. Her left breast hung loosely from a flap of skin. Her clothes were stuck to her ruined flesh with cakes of dried blood. But her earnest eyes burned through him. Why? The broken mouth asked. Didn't you tell me it would be so, so dark? Her voice seemed to spiral and swirl like it was running all over the room trying to find an ear to rest in. The whispers grew, chanting like a war dance. couldn't pull his gaze away from the dead eyes, and the sound rose and rose until he thought he'd go insane. Amos woke up gasping. The sweat pooled on his eyelids, stung his eyes when he opened them. He sat panting for the pace of a couple breaths before he remembered where he was. Amos took another deep breath. This was Carol's new place. He was in his own room where they'd moved when he couldn't sleep. He needed to know the picture was there. Carol had insisted. Now, now she was beside him, sighing gently in her sleep as if the universe hadn't just strapped everyone's gonads to a light socket and started playing with the dimmer switch. He wanted to close his eyes and see Amy again, even broken and dying. But it wasn't real. It was only a dream. She hadn't really come back. She really was gone. Amos felt a wall inside of him, one that he'd been building carefully, brick by brick. Shatter. He flailed, his mind a blinding slate of panic, grabbing for the picture frame beside his bed. His hands found it. Yes, still there. Good. Behind him, Carol grumbled in her sleep. He breathed deep, trying to understand why his body kept shaking, why his vision was blurry, why his nose was running. But when he tried to focus his eyes, all he saw was her face. His fingers somehow didn't want to hold on to it. 
Every bit of beauty in the photographs stung like razor slices. They let go as he wept. He barely heard the frame smash as it hit the floor. Mm-hmm. Amos. Carol's voice, her touch, her body wrapped around his, seemed like the shadows of another reality. Just shadows. His mind was still trapped in the dream, looking into those dead, hollow eyes, seeing the tortured soul of the damned girl whose hospital bed he couldn't find when it mattered. Citizen's band was silent. Jeremiah's beacon had been repeating now for almost a day, but nothing had come back. In fact, no matter how long he sat and listened to the receiver, nothing but white static poured from the set. Jeremiah was no ham, at least not when it came to radio, but he was pretty sure that the CB had a nice long range. He should be picking up stuff from the interstate, if nothing else. He'd been up most of the night listening. Nothing on the radio. Fucking nothing. It didn't make sense. In this crazy house, what was one more thing that didn't make sense? Nothing around here did. Certainly not the fuckwits playing chess in the living room. He could hear them all the way down the hallway. So there isn't much you can do with that. The French fuck. God, his accent was enough to make a maggot gag. Oh, I wouldn't be so sure. And that was him. Jeremiah pushed him out of his mind, but he couldn't help linger on the mental image of long, elegant fingers as they moved the bishop into scoring position against the Frenchman's queen. The kind of fingers that suited a painter. This is why physics serves you poorly, my friend. Merely calculating angles will avail you nothing. If you studied history, you'd have learned one of the most important lessons a man can learn, and you wouldn't now be in trouble. He could just picture Kevin raising a provocative eyebrow. Oh yeah, what's that? If you want to win a war... Christ, that accent! Don't rely on the Council of Bishops. The frog moved his king. Kevin raised his eyebrows as if surprised. Damn! Another game? No man will ever accuse you of cowardice in the face of superior forces. Jeremiah tried to ignore them as he passed through the great room and headed to the makeshift freezer at the front door. He could hear their voices carrying down the entryway behind him. Shut up and reset the board, frogman. Touche. After waking up from a nightmare at something like three this morning, Jeremiah had spent the morning listening to the white noise on the radio. His sense of vision, of sound, hell, his sense of being upright and awake, couldn't carry water right now, not if it was sitting in the middle of a river. He didn't really trust his sense of smell, which is why he didn't notice anything particularly unusual when he opened the door. He reached down and grabbed a bag of mixed greens he'd bought for a salad and held it up to its face. Seemed to slosh a little bit. That didn't seem right. What the? But Jeremiah was cut off by Kevin's voice from the living room. What in the name of Thor's testicles is that god awful smell? Jeremiah rubbed the sleep out of his eyes and looked down at the contents of the little snow cave. The snow was as solid as it had been yesterday, but every piece of produce looked like it had been rotting for weeks in a hothouse. The peaches were pools of ice syrup with pits and fuzz, and the head of lettuce looked like a softball of mucus. All his food, all the beautiful organic sun-ripened hand-picked food, every last piece was gone. 
rotten in a single night. He was going to starve. Someone had done this so he'd fucking starve. Now that he didn't have a way out, they wanted to push him out. Someone did. Jeremiah slammed the door and marched back through the great room and around the corner into the kitchen. He tore open the cupboards and ransacked them. Everything had whey or animal something or some other kind of inedible shit in it. He slammed the cans of refried beans down on the counter for having lard in them. He smashed the beef ramen down for its fucking bullion. He threw the cupboard doors shut because they didn't have a goddamn thing that he'd be caught dead putting in his mouth. Except for maybe some rice. Hey, hey. Amos's voice was as sharp as it was low, but Jeremiah didn't care. He didn't even look away. Someone or something was gonna pay for this bullshit. The fucking counter, if nothing else. Hey. People are trying to sleep. I'm sorry. Fuck! Jeremiah punched the wall. What's wrong? What's wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. All the food I brought is rotten. That's what's wrong. We're snowed in and everything's gone bad. All the fresh food, all you've got left over is this... this... shit! He started hitting the tops of cans and packets. Dead animals in everything! Keep it down. Amos snarled, advancing on him. Jeremiah stepped back. Wait till Carol wakes up. I'm sure she has something up her sleeve. Oh, here you go. Amos grabbed one of the packets of ramen off the counter and tossed it to Jeremiah. Jeremiah caught it and threw it angrily in the sink. Beef flavor? Are you insane? So don't eat the bouillon. Amos rolled his eyes and took his terry cloth clad ass back out of the kitchen and towards the stairs. Jeremiah's head was pounding. He needed a relaxation fix. It was going insane. I can't get out of here. Kitchen melodramatics were not a propitious way to start a day like this. Amos stumbled up the stairs. He needed a shower, or maybe some more time in bed with Carol. No, definitely a shower. He'd sulked enough for one day. Like a textiled version of a Picasso, there was an Adele descending the staircase. Watch your step in there. As if on cue, the delightful sound of a pot slamming down on the stove echoed up from the kitchen. Adele stopped and looked askance at him. Who? Jeremiah has fridge issues. What else? He raised an eyebrow at her, then shook his head and continued up the stairs, chased to the shower by more slamming pots. He didn't even have the patience to spend being mad at the little weasel. He just wanted a shower and maybe some kind of sanity today. Maybe a chance to do some writing with a clear head. Yeah. That would make it a good day. Linen. Glorious linen fresh from the dryer. Katie pulled it out of the laundry basket and held it under her nose. The oversized lavender tea bags really did make a difference. Mm, it's just like it should be. The last batch of the day whirred happily away in the dryer, and she didn't hear the door open. Adele poked her head in and waved, catching the corner of her eye. Katie. Katie. You got a minute? Katie smiled and opened her arms. Me laundry, su laundry. Thanks. Adele stepped gingerly through the door and closed it behind her, then grabbed the end of the sheet on the folding table. Katie fluffed the sheet out flat between them and pushed the ends towards Adele. They met in the middle and Katie slid back to the fold, enjoying the feel of the fabric running between her fingers. So what's on your mind, Signora? Adele pointed her eyebrows at Katie. Your special project. Oh, him. He's hopeless. More than you know. His produce all went bad. 
He's down to a few cans of beans and whatever we have for bread and noodles. He's... he, he He's what? Uh, but what about the eggs? The Parmesan? He's not a vegetarian. He's a vegan. Ah. Katie took the folded sheet from Adele, flipped it over her arm a couple more times, then set it aside and grabbed the next one. Adele took up her end. He was already complaining yesterday about having to eat cooked food. I don't know if I can help. You have a fight? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to kill him. I'm sorry. Katie looked up to the ceiling, wishing there was some way to change things, but she felt a little like an idiot for thinking it. People were who they were, and there wasn't a thing she could do about that. No, it's okay. I'm just gonna have to have a talk with Sarah. If she had warned us, we could have prepped. Adele flipped her ends of the sheet together and pushed forward to meet Katie again. She doesn't seem like she pays attention to that sort of thing. Nope. Katie smirked. Sarah was... Sarah. She's one of the kindest, cleverest, sweetest snuggle puppets you'll ever meet. But she could stand in front of a fleet of TIE fighters and only notice whether one of the pilots was out of costume. Katie added the second sheet to the stack and threw Adele a pillowcase, grabbing a second one for herself. I don't know how I can feed him. Don't worry about it, Del. You don't have to fix it. Katie made short work of the pillowcase, then sighed and picked up another. I guess I'll try to make sure he doesn't starve. After finishing the laundry, the conversation had turned to shop talk, and Adele had left her laptop in Katie's hands before departing on the rest of her morning routine. Little chores to add the extra touch of comfort for the other attendees. Wiping off the counter in the bathroom, making up her bed, starting the second pot of coffee. It wasn't expected of her, and she wasn't the hostess after all, but it helped ground her when she started her days off with a little bit of service as a kind of thanks offering. It was a sort of prayer. When she returned to the great room, she found Katie sitting cross-legged on the floor before the coffee table with the arms of her coveralls tied around her waist. The laptop was at her right hand, an unrolled leather chisel kit at her left, and between them, directly in front of her, was a little figurine. Adele approached and took a seat next to her, looking from the wax to the screen, trying to figure out what kind of magic had happened while she wasn't looking. That's really stunning, Katie. The sculptor changed to a finer chisel and pointed the butt end of it at Adele's laptop and the photo from the previous night that filled the screen. I have an excellent reference to work from. She seemed barely to notice her own words, as if she were Thomas Edison and thought the light bulb was just a cheap knockoff of the sun. Adele didn't quite know how to cope with such a thoughtless compliment, but when her eyes fell on the figurine again, the confusion fled her mind. On closer inspection... Katie's project was probably the positive for a lost wax mold. It showed four nude figures arrayed like royalty on a table, not surprising given the reference material. Katie carefully guided the curved end of the little chisel to add detail to the sculpture at Carol's hairline. Adele stood back up and crossed her arms, contemplating exactly what Katie had done. In less than an hour, she'd gone from a lump of blue wax to something that looked, even on close inspection, remarkably like the scene around the fireplace last night. It was one thing to jockey a camera. What Katie did took a kind of discipline and mind Adele couldn't hope to understand, not to mention a steadiness of hand. The world worked properly when people like Katie took time to enjoy their best destiny. Adele nodded her approval and retired to her favorite wingback, where she took up her knitting. 
It was a blanket for one of her sponsors. The pastor's wife at her church had a baby due in another couple months. The stitch was a simple one. She barely had to look at it as the yarn played through her fingers. It was a hobby she'd taken up to give her something to do on the long plane flights, and discovered later its added bonus as a social lubricant. It gave her an icebreaker, and it gave her a vantage point. Off to her left, Carol was typing furiously on her laptop. At the other end of the same couch, Amos sat thoughtfully, almost peacefully, occasionally jotting down a few words here and there in his little book. They both sat backs against the armrests, their legs lacing around each other in the center of the sofa. Adele returned her gaze to Katie's sculpting, and after a few minutes she realized the sound of Carol's fingers had stopped. A couple more minutes, and they hadn't started again. Adele glanced at the hostess and caught her chewing her bottom lip and shaking her head spasmodically as if holding an argument with the unseen characters in the text on her screen. You okay, Carol? What? Carol started out of her mental rut and looked at her. Oh. Yeah, I'm fine. Just thinking. A new novel? Hmm? She looked like she'd just been interrupted anew. Once she'd had a chance to process the question, she continued. Oh, yes. Carol didn't elaborate. In the kitchen, Adele heard a cabinet close with a gentle click. Unusual for this morning. And close on its heels, Jeremiah entered the great room looking strangely contented with a bag of pretzels. She said a silent prayer of thanks that the cupboard reorganization this morning had paid off. When Katie saw him, she set her chisels down and made for the kitchen. Adele looked back at Carol, who was staring at her as if waiting for the second half of a sentence. Ignoring Amos's quizzical eyeing, Adele extended a hand, reminding Carol that she had the floor. Well? Well? Carol blinked with aristocratic indifference, but she didn't quite contain the hint of satisfaction that Adele gave into the suspense before she did. What's it about? Carol burst out laughing and waved her hands in front of her face as if trying to fend off a sudden swarm of overfriendly bees. <laughs> you don't want to know. God, I don't want to know. Adele looked askance at Carol. Publisher's premise. Don't ask. Come on, we're all working naked in front of you. <coughs> Jeremiah coughed, choking on a pretzel and grabbed madly for a drink. Adele waited patiently while he took a sip from the brandy snifter Katie handed him, then continued. So to speak... Show us the muse that labors under your siren skin. Your classics professor would shoot you if he heard you talking like that. Carol narrowed her eyes at Adele. Jeremiah finished draining Katie's snifter, then settled down next to her and openly admired the in-progress sculpture. He proffered the open end of the pretzel bag to her. Adele didn't miss Katie's hesitation before she graciously accepted one, but her main attention stayed with Carol. My classics professor loved me. Carol raised an eyebrow. Sounds more like you loved him. Married him. Twice. Adele purled a stitch with a great sense of purpose. He couldn't keep up. Carol picked up her mug from the coffee table. Couldn't take traveling when we weren't going to Greece. Adele finished the stitch with a double knit. Carol took a thoughtful sip from her tea and raised a flirtatious eyebrow. Don't blame him. I wouldn't want to see that skin bent. I wouldn't want to see that tongue get bitten. Adele continued through the next several stitches as nonchalantly as possible. Are you offering? Adele put the knitting down, looked straight into Carol's eyes, and delivered what she hoped would be the least expected sentence that had ever passed her lips. 
If you're paying. Carol tried to hold the gaze, but despite her best efforts, she fell backward into her seat with a hearty belly laugh. <laughs> Fine. You win. It's alien steampunk. You're good at this. Katie, entering from the kitchen, gave Adele a congratulatory wink. Adele allowed herself a self-satisfied smile. I've got a bit more practice than you. What's steampunk? Captain Nemo in space! Kevin's voice filtered in from the other room. The man must have ears like a mule. Okay. Anyway, dear, the story's about a group trapped on a wrecked, steam-powered spaceship being towed by aliens to another planet, and they don't know why. Steam-powered spaceship? Adele shook her head at the very idea. Carol shrugged apologetically. It's what pays the bills. Amos set his journal on the end table and got the chessboard, laying it out on the couch between himself and Carol. She looked at him sideways, but then opened with one of her knights. Kevin crossed from the hallway beneath the stairs to the far side of the great room where his easel was stored. He donned a mottled green beret with a great sense of ceremony, squirted a few colors on his palette, and attacked his easel with unaccustomed vigor. Ho, 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 hold on, Queen Bee. You never do aliens. Yeah, I know. Biology. Not my strong suit. <laughs> Kevin's indignance wafted across from the far end of the room. <laughs> At least you're thinking about it. Katie changed her chisel out for an exacto knife. Use a basic humanoid with some flair. Parallel evolution worked fine on Star Trek. Jeremiah turned to face Katie. <laughs> Remember what you said to me about everybody respecting everybody in the morning? Yes. Hugh just became the exception that proves that rule. Katie smiled. Kaplak, Kringle. Please, tell me it wasn't voluntary. Tell me that your mother strapped you to a chair and forced you to watch Jimmy Kirk and his merry fairies when you were a child. Katie pursed her lips and flicked her eyes suggestively towards Carol, who was still protectively cradling her tea mug. Actually, it was Carol who started doing that when I didn't respond to spankings. Hush, child. Or I'll make you wear the wolf costume. Carol firmly sipped tea at Katie. Do I get to play with the batlet? Jeremiah closed his eyes and spasmodically shook his head. Ugh, that's the last time that I fantasized about the two of you together. Katie patted him reassuringly on the shoulder. If you want to watch, all you gotta do is ask. I need a brain douche. <laughs> kind of a buzzkill, huh? Amos's voice was sympathetic, but his face was painted with a brightly cheerful sense of schadenfreude. Oh, I don't know. Kevin spoke between dabs of his paintbrush. There's something about the way Klingons go about having sex. So? Adele would be damned if she'd let Kevin finish that sentence. Parallel evolution? Complete malarkey. Confidence in his own opinions wasn't a department in which Kevin was lacking. Invented by television executives to get around the fact that they didn't have the money to build convincing aliens. Or, Amos pointed out the one flaw in his logic, to hire Ray Harryhausen to do it for them. Or the technology. Or... Guys, seriously. Katie grabbed the track switch and wrenched the conversation back onto the main line. Parallel evolution does happen. Amos studiously kept his eyes on the chessboard. Parallel evolution is like nuclear winter. An inevitable result of Star Wars policy? Amos shook his head. A massive hoax dreamed up by television personalities. Exactly. Jeremiah actually seemed pleased. Evolution is random. It's only chance that we're us and not 
some mouse somewhere. Amos nodded as he scrutinized the board, waiting for Carol to move. Gould would agree. See? Thank you! Some that actually reads. Randomness is what gives us all the biodiversity we keep trying to destroy. So who knows what the next dice roll will do? Maybe get rid of us and bring along something better that won't wipe out the rest of the biosphere. Well, you keep working on the plants, old prophet, and the rest of us will work on murdering birds in their cradles and eating the muscles of genetically designed oxen. Kevin gave a final flourish to the canvas with his brush and set it down. Keep them coming, geek boy. I want to be around when your arteries clog up. Ain't gonna happen, my friend. My genetics are pristine. But I hear protein deficiency can do nasty things to the brain. Manners, boys! You're both going to stand in the corner if you don't behave. Jeremiah ground his teeth audibly as his eyes shifted from Kevin to Carol and back to Kevin. It didn't take much after that for the debate to blow up to the point where no one could hear each other talk anymore. Katie held her peace while Kevin and Jeremiah finished trying to convince her that there was nothing elegant about the universe. Random schmandom. When they finally settled down from their orgy of agreement, Katie set aside her chisel and adopted a firm but diplomatic tone. I'm sorry, I know you guys both love this chaos crap, but the math doesn't work. Random contingencies, billions of times over, all piled up on top of each other, each of them just right to give us increasingly intelligent organisms all the way up to us? Improbable isn't the same thing as impossible. It happened here the way it happened here. Kevin picked up his palette again and applied a liberal glob of red to it. On another planet, life would evolve differently. Question begging. Katie sang it like she was chiding a kindergartner. Come on, Katie, give over. Amos moved a pawn and pushed the board towards Carol. What are you so desperately trying to say? Okay, look. The eye evolved on Earth at least two dozen different times. Maybe more. Fingers. God knows how many times. Parallel evolution. All the time. Life keeps finding the same shapes and shortcuts on Earth. Wouldn't it find the same ones anywhere else? If we did meet aliens, they'd have to be parallel somehow. Amos shook his head. I don't buy it. Why not? Carol moved her knight and pushed the board back to Amos. If nothing else, different planets would give life different challenges. What works well on planet A might not work well on planet B. Just like what works well in the sea doesn't work well in a cave doesn't work well on land. So, say you come across one of these strange and amazing creatures while you're out hitchhiking the galaxy. Adele knitted without paying attention to it. What would you say? I don't know about Amos. Kevin waggled his eyebrows at Adele. I'd say, hello lunch, and hope somebody brought the garlic. You really are an asshole. Oh, you think that's bad. You should have seen him and Sarah. What was it, Carol? Two years back? We were at this aquarium. You know, one of the ones that goes under the water in a tube, right? Jeremiah seemed to brace himself to be extremely offended. The shift in the dancer's body language didn't go unnoticed. Kevin put down his palate so that he could gesticulate with both hands, then stepped out in front of his easel, relishing every word. Oh, yeah. I'm a bit of a gourmet, so when Sarah and I get together, we have a ball. That place is beautiful. All those fish, seals, otters swimming around everywhere. He adjusted his leather beret as if to emphasize his place at the top of the food chain. Amos nodded seriously as he poured over the board. Carol and I were with them. They were walking through that tube like cats at a mouse buffet. Mmm, so many possibilities. 
Kevin's face was plastered with the biggest grin Katie had ever seen on it this side of an orgasm. I think it was about the time when I was arguing with her about the best sauce for the Pacific Snapper that was sitting on the other side of the glass, when there was this little gasp behind me. I turned around and there was this little kid, couldn't have been more than five years old, standing there, staring, mouth open, tears in his eyes, the whole nine yards. He backed away and turned and ran to find his mom. Disgusting. Jeremiah stood up very slowly, looking at Kevin like he'd crawled out of a hole in the ground. Then, without any warning, he stomped around the table, nearly running over Adele, and out through the door into the solarium. He slammed the sliding glass behind him and shouted from the other side, You're all fucking revolting! Kevin grimaced. Cry! His eyes caught Adele's. Key, what's thrashing around in his colon? Food's on his mind, I think. We're running out of stuff he'll eat, and we don't know when more is coming. I thought we had granola. Cookies? Yogurt? Amos moved a rook and pushed the board back to Carol. Check. He won't eat dairy. God save us from self-righteous extinctionists. Kevin made like he wanted to spit on the floor. That's not quite fair. Carol looked over her shoulder and out the door to the solarium. We're a bit much to take all at once. Four days is hardly all at once, old mum. Carol ignored him. Katie, would you... Yep, I'll go see to him. Don't you guys go deciding against me while I'm gone. Katie stood and stepped carefully around Adele, following Jeremiah's route out of the room. When she passed behind Carol, she stopped for a moment. She bent down and spoke conspiratorially. Trust me, humanoids. Worry about the story. She kissed Carol for luck and then retreated out the door. Don't you dare, Lady C. Give your reader something original. Use that bestseller's bully pulpit. Carol shook her head at him and rolled her eyes indulgently. Both of them seemed a little surprised when Adele's voice broke in on the shared moment. So, what's all this about a wharf costume? The little glass vial skittered to a halt on Gerd's bedside table, rolling to a stop with the prescription label pointing back at him. He pumped his fist a few more times and then untied the tourniquet. He only needed two a day on these long days, but it made him feel like the heroin junkies he'd seen on the Paris punk scene in the 70s. Gerd ran his fingers over the rough weave of his bedspread. He could still feel every fiber. With his feet, he pulled off one sock after another and scrubbed the tips of his toes against the throw rug on the floor. He felt every fuzz and bump as vividly as he had when he was ten. That's what the insulin was supposed to do. It was supposed to keep those nerves alive. So far, it was working. That was good. He didn't think he'd want to live without being able to feel the world. He tossed the sharp into the wastebasket and pulled his sleeve back down. The hallway outside felt oddly empty. Everyone was downstairs, or had been, when he'd headed up to take his insulin and grab an hour to read before he had a proper shower. At least, everyone but Sarah. Three steps down the hall toward the bathroom, Gerd stopped. Sarah hadn't shown up yet and she was usually up early enough to give the sun a friendly ass-kicking if it didn't make with the shining in a timely fashion. He walked back a few steps until he was at Sarah's room opposite his own. 
He leaned up against the frame and knocked lightly but firmly on the solid core oak door. Sarah, it's three o'clock. Will you be joining us? Sarah's threadbare, hurried whisper came through the door. No, 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 everything's fine. Gerd cocked his head to the side. He'd never heard that tone in her voice before. Something wasn't quite right. He thought about knocking again or barging in, but she might be masturbating and want to be left alone. He resolved to knock again when he was ready to head downstairs and join the ranks of the semi-civilized. Gerd entered the bathroom just a moment before Sarah's singing became loud enough to discern through the door. A child's tune. Hush little baby, hummed in a small voice like that of a little girl hiding under the covers, trying to sing away the monsters under the bed. It was like that, except the words somehow didn't fit the nursery rhyme. A couple of days' worth of disused clothes were dropped haphazardly at the foot of the dresser as if they were the object of the lullaby. Next to them, at the foot of the bed, a pillow lay torn open, the feathers from it strewn across the floor around the bed and in the alleyway on the far side between the bed and the window. Water dripped through the smashed window, and blood trailed from the window up to the bed. It spattered the white top sheet like someone had shot a bottle of marinara at the headboard. The room's only occupant sat with her knees pulled up to her chest, the top sheet pinned between her knees and her breasts, her arms wrapped about her legs, her hands clutching a nasty, serrated, dagger-like piece of glass. Life leaked out of her hand and along the edge of the glass. It ran down the sheet like pus from an infection. She stared straight ahead at the wall, blankly, rocking back and forth, mumbling the song so deadly, even she barely knew what words she used. Fill your little bottle full of wine, no, 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 everything's fine, no. She didn't seem to notice how much blood she was losing. She just sat and stared and sang. No, 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 everything's just fine. You've been listening to episode 12 of Down From 10. Written and performed by J. Daniel Sawyer, with original music by Danny Shade, used with permission. Starring T. Morris as Amos Maple, Philippa Ballantyne as Carol Lewis, Nathan Lowell as Gerd Falkstein, Miss Callender as Sarah Evans, Kitty Nakian as Katie Sato, Nobilis Reed as Kevin Walden, Chris Lester as Jeremiah Evans, and Christiana Ellis as Adele Surhan. Some sounds courtesy the Free Sound Project at www.freesound.org. Other sounds copyright 2009 Kitty McKeon and Artistic Whispers Productions. This audiobook is recorded, edited, and mixed at Artistic Whispers Productions in Castro Valley, California. The book is copyright 2009 J. Daniel Sawyer, based on a screenplay copyright 2008 J. Daniel Sawyer, and the recording is copyright 2009 Artistic Whispers Productions. This recording is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.5 license, and all other rights are reserved to the author.